What's up? Welcome to the Confluence VC podcast. This podcast is meant to give you a personal glimpse into the next era of investors and operators. This week we had on Alexa Grable from Pocus. Pocus is a product-led sales platform that helps go-to-market teams use data to improve customer acquisition, conversion, and expansion. In this talk, we discuss branding as a product-led growth company, biggest takeaways from creating early demand and hype for your product, and extracting value from your cap table even after they've written checks. So Alexa, first off, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we like to start these talks just by learning a little bit more about you and your background. So could you give us that? Give us the quick elevator pitch of how you got to where you are today and what you're currently working on. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So quick background on myself. I'm originally from Philadelphia. I then went to Vanderbilt where I studied engineering, went back to New York, the East Coast. I did a little bit of consulting and then finally landed at Dataminer where I was leading sales strategy and operations. And when I was there, there was a common theme of all of the requests and initiatives and projects I worked on around how to get non-technical folks on the go-to-market team, sales, customer success, marketing, access to data around how users are engaging with the product. So the product usage data that lived in places like the data warehouse or even BI tools like Looker, but not accessible to go-to-market teams. So hacked together a lot of internal solutions at Dataminer to make it so that our sales teams and broader go-to-market teams had access to all of this rich data that can inform who they reach out to and how. Um, I ended up leaving Dataminer to go to Stanford for business school. Um, I did an internship in the data space for Bar Moses, who's the CEO of Monte Carlo, um, and then really started to get the itch for building something and building in the data space with an intersection of sales strategy and ops. And fast forward a bit, I met my co-founder while at Stanford and we uh, took a class called Lean Launchpad where we spent three months just going very deep into this pain point, spent three months doing over 300 interviews with go-to-market teams and figuring out how do you get access to data and a holistic view to do your job well. Um, and that is where Pocus was born. Uh, about a year ago um, as a product-led sales platform to help the modern go-to-market team turn all of their product data into revenue. Um, so I can keep going or, or touch on more about what, what Pocus does, but Clay, I want to make yeah. sure I touched all the points. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> no, that was great. I was just going to ask you to keep going and um, keep giving the, the full elevator pitch on, on Pocus and the, the problems you're solving for there. Yeah. So like I said, we are a product-led sales platform. So what that means is we have a no-code application that lets non-technical teams get access and use that data that was previously locked in a data warehouse so that sales teams can use it to uncover the best opportunities and take the right action. So more specifically, Pocus sits on top of both the data warehouse and the CRM. So they, we combine all the data around product usage, so who's signing up for your product, who's engaging with it, what features are they sharing it, with all of the data in a CRM of customer fit, so industry, geography, company size, persona, into one holistic view, and then enable non-technical teams to build dashboards and scoring models and workflows without relying on any engineers. I love it. 
Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, I mean, like working in sales currently, like all those are pain points for me. Um, I guess it's like not related to the questions that we shot over to you beforehand, but like, what were some of the, so you said before launching Focus, you and your co-founder, you went really deep on user <clears throat> interviews. You talked to 300 different people and go to market teams. What were some of the main takeaways from those interviews that you really used to mold the, the product? Yeah, it's a really good question. So there were consistent themes across everyone. If you ask someone, what is your biggest hair on fire problem and what are you wasting time on and where are you leaving money on the table? It all came back to data being locked in a place that is not accessible for them. Whether they say it in a way of, you know, I'm in Salesforce and I, I can't find the data point about how this user clicked on this feature or another way to say it is, you know, I spent the last week just talking to data teams, asking them to pull this one thing for me and I've been on their backlog. Or it's, you know, I know we're leaving money on the table because we have all these free users on the product, but we don't actually know how to figure out who they are. All of that, what it screams to me is data is everywhere and not accessible to go to market teams. Um, one learning though, around maybe the differences from each of the interviews, which was really impactful in informing our theses and hypotheses and ultimately our product development is around how different every sales motion looks, especially in this product-led growth world, which I know we'll get into a little bit later in this, in this chat. Um, but in a product-led world where products look really different if you are a productivity tool versus a dev tool, um, versus e-commerce, your go-to-market looks really, really different. And how you think about customers looks really different. So it was important to us to build a to build focus, to be very flexible, to fit the needs of each of our customers. So to not have to, you know, put a square peg in a round hole, it's flexible to everyone's business model. Yeah, it's interesting. Relating to that, I have a go-to-market question related to you, like, have you all determined who the ideal customer is for Pocus yet? Yeah, it's like a great even, question. Like, narrow, narrowing it down more than just like go-to-market teams, they're like a specific sector within some of the ones that you just mentioned that is just resonating with more. Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, it's also evolving. So we have clear ICPs around, you know, we started out with sales teams at product-led growth companies. So what that means is someone that has both a self-serve product and maybe another that's free and then paid, or maybe also an enterprise option. And so helping sales teams with that initial conversion from free to paid, but has what it's been really interesting, although we built the product for that persona and that use case, it's naturally and organically expanded beyond that, which has broadened our ICP. So every time we sell to a sales team, um, the marketers want to get their hands on it and customer success for things beyond just that first free to paid conversion for things going on expansion and upsell and cr cross sell and even churn prevention. So um, how I think about early days is be focused with an ICP, but also be experimental. And what I mean by that is we're continuously setting hypothesis for different personas and in different industries and in different company sizes and understanding how does this look different or does our existing product serve that today? Um, so a good balance of, you know, focus with your ICP, but also be open to addressing different hypotheses and be as kind of agile as possible.
Yeah, I love that. That totally makes sense. What um, what's been the biggest pain point of selling to these people? I'm just assuming, like, just within my world, own world, there's probably a pretty large switching cost just from like moving over CRMs from like Salesforce, HubSpot, wherever this data lives today. Um, is that probably the biggest hurdle you are facing now, or is there something else that that I'm not seeing? Yeah, so we're not replacing a CRM. Um, we are definitely not a CRM. Um, so instead, what we replace, if it exists today, is an internal build out using maybe Zapier plus Looker plus CSV exports. So there's not a rip and replace aspect to it. Instead, it's a, you know, no longer does your sales team have to attempt to use Looker when they weren't using it anyway. Um, so that wouldn't be the most challenging part yet. I'd say um, for us, it's a different stage where we're actually still in beta, where we have a wait list of hundreds of companies that are ready to use the product. And for us, it's more about how do we onboard the right partners that can really be strategic and help us inform our product roadmap and do that as well as going quickly. So be slow, but fast in a way. Yeah. No, it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, so we've touched on it a little bit already, but you mentioned Focus is a product-led growth tools for sales teams. Um, mm -hmm. For those of our listeners just haven't heard of what product-led growth is, can you first explain that? And then also explain just why your branding Focus is like a PLG obsessed company? Yeah, I love it. So product-led growth uh, term coined by OpenView, I believe, several years ago is simply you, a company can use the product itself to acquire new customers, its end users, and then even go further than that to from acquisition to conversion and ultimately expansion. Um, so you can think of these self-serve viral products like Slack and Figma and Airtable and Notion. Um, but a motion that happens in conjunction with PLG that I get very excited about and Pocus gets very excited about is something that we started coining a year ago called product-led sales. And so product-led sales, a bit different than product-led growth, is when you're using the existing customer base that's on the product from that self-serve motion as the primary funnel for go-to-market. And so what I mean by that is instead of a typical sales motion where you're just cold calling and reaching out to folks who've never heard of your product and maybe taking them out to a fancy schmancy dinner and whining and dining them on the value. Instead, you're saying, look, here's the product. You're going to use it and maybe even use it for free. You're going to get a lot of value out of it. And then you might upgrade to the next tier. And a salesperson in that case can go in and say, I've seen you've been doing XYZ on the product. It would be really helpful, I think, if you try out this new feature or if we roll out an enterprise-wide adoption. Um, and this is how I'm going to benefit you. So very consultative, value-driven, um, data-driven. And the reason that we're so obsessed with it, and it's what we talk about a lot and have a community around, is that um, nearly every single tech company has mentioned PLG in their S1 filing in 2021. Um, and all of those PLG companies have sales teams. And what we find is everyone prefers this product-led sales motion. And by everyone, I mean three different buckets, the buyers, the sellers, and executives. So buyers prefer product-led sales because they want to try before they buy. 
and they want to actually be able to test out a product before talking to a human when they're ready. So you can think about us. I, uh, you know, if I want to buy Calendly, for example, I'd rather not talk to someone. I'd rather just sign online and be done in two minutes. Um, and sellers prefer it. They want to be able to sell to people who already love the product rather than throwing pasta at a wall and seeing what sticks. And finally, execs prefer it. It lowers the acquisition costs for new customers. You're basically having a full pipeline of customers that love your product without spending tons of marketing and sales dollars to get new folks in your funnel. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes sense for so many different, like literally every side of the equation, like you said. I mean, again, being on the sales side, like the worst feeling you have is trying to fill out a pipeline every single week and just chasing down people. But then there's also like an educational component of that, just like getting people up to speed versus just like tapping into existing customer base, like getting them really pleased with the product, continue to get more and more value from them. Uh, I think it just allows you to be more focused, especially as a smaller team, um, which kind of seems to be like the name of the game right now. Mm -hmm. So I think you're thinking about it totally right. I grew up listening to like all of OpenView stuff. Like I obsessed over that. I remember they were one of the investors that really just changed my framework about how to view different companies. Um, so yeah, I'm interested to hear your take on that. It's interesting. Um, next question we had was about building hype before actually launching. So I think you've done a great job building up demand through the waitlist. Um, and also through the Slack group. So what have been some of your biggest takeaways just from creating that early demand um, for Pocus? Yeah, it's a great question. So we had a non-traditional approach where we were building a community and a category and a product all simultaneously. And the demand for the product completely came from the community. And so uh, rewinding a bit, we started the company a year ago um, and when I was talking about this concept of sales teams and product-led growth companies, I realized that everyone was so hungry for frameworks and best practices. And only a few companies have codified it. If you think Slack and Dropbox and Atlassian and earlier companies were still trying to figure it out. Um, and this is back when, you know, I was saying product-led sales and people were looking at me like I had three heads. But then we put um, about 20 people into a Slack group last July that I thought were early evangelists of this concept of leading the charge of sales at their product led growth company and thinking through different business models and comp plans and strategies all around this different motion that is not traditional sales. Um, and because people were so hungry for this information, the Slack group, it organically grew to now what's over 1200 people. Um, and it's a lot of frameworks and we've put out from the conversations in the community, uh, benchmark reports and playbooks on product-led sales and product-led sales is becoming more and more of a common name in companies. People are changing their title to it. So we built this community and the category of product-led sales while also building our product roadmap. And so what that meant was we were listening to people in the community for what they wanted to hear and what they wanted, what they needed and what they were looking for. And that would directly feed what we built. Um, so it was a very um, intentional and turning out to be very successful decision that we made to do it all at the same time, because it was one big feedback loop. 
I think it's super smart. And yeah, I mean, I highly encourage anybody that's looking at this type of software to join your Slack group, hop on the wait list, just continue to build demand up that way. How do you think about, I was thinking about this when you were talking just a second ago, but like, how do you think about um, like building categories in terms of like positioning? Um, yeah. Obviously there's a lot of advantages there that are probably like not necessarily tangible, but there's something to be said about like creating a category versus planning and an existing category. I think you guys are more so focusing on building and creating a category from scratch. Uh, was that intentional or like, do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, my take on building a category. So versus not, it's an, it's a versus fitting into another one. Um, so I, I, there's two decisions to make. There's one, it's, do you need to create a category or do you fit into another? And then once you decide, yes, we need to create our own category, it's how do you go about it? Um, and to answer the first question, the reason why we knew we had to create a new category is this just didn't exist. Like there are traditional enterprise sales playbooks and tech stack and comp plans and all of that stuff that exists. And that is just not what we're doing. This is a new concept. So the easy answer for us was we knew this was a new category. It's not just a product that can be out there. It's a different type of person and a different type of motion. And so then when creating the category, there's different ways to do it. And we were very intentional about having a community driven uh, category building approach. So I will never go out there and say, you know, I am the 100% expert on product led sales. And let me tell you how to do it. And I am going to in the product, tell you all of the reasons why this is the right way. First of all, I just think that's like, even if I probably know about this more than 99 percentile of people. It's every business looks different. Instead, what to do is say, all right, community, now 1,200 people, how are you doing this? How do you think about this? Let's hash it out. Let's debate. Let's get the smartest people in the room and talk about what this should look like and what you found works and what others disagree with and what others agree with. So creating the best, best practices of the category with others, because the reality is every business looks different um, and everyone has a really unique perspective. So it's how do you, I think about it is just synthesizing what everyone else is doing into something that makes sense for the majority of people, rather than taking a very kind of, this is the one way to do it. Totally. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, switching gears a bit, but you all have already been able to attract some pretty big name investors and a lot of them have been pretty helpful in just getting your name out there. What is something you've done, could be more than one thing, that's allowed you to extract value from these cap, from the members of your cap table after they've written checks? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, we feel really fortunate to have incredible investors into POCUS, both at our seed and our series A, um, both institutional and lots of angel investors. So we strategically took on a ton of angel investors that are all the experts in everything, sales, go to market and product-led growth. Um, and so how to activate cap tables, there's, you know, it's something that you have to be intentional about. I think there's, there's a couple things we did that worked well. One is after our seed round, we had an investor kickoff. And so we got all at the time almost 50 investors and now there's probably double that um 
could do all of them in a Zoom room and talked about, okay, this is the goal of focus over the next quarter, over the next year. This is our longer term vision. These are our priorities. This is what we need help from you with in terms of introductions or uh, folks that we're hiring and getting all the investors really excited about the future of POCUS and then also doing what we do best of building a community within the POCUS investors. to people want to be part of something that's bigger than just themselves. And so that got people very excited. And then afterwards is just maintaining those relationships. So um, I actually am not great at and not a fan of using just investor updates as a way of interacting with investors. I'm actually pretty bad at getting them out consistently. Instead, I like to give folks, have one-on-one -on -one relationships with people and understand where they peak and what they're good at helping me with and giving them updates in that area. Um, so some folks have a great background in sales and PLG. So if I want a customer intro, I'll go to them and we'll catch up. Some are just really good at company building and general advice. Great. We'll go get lunch and brainstorm that. Um, so asking people really specific pointed questions versus only sending investor updates with the general asks because then no one feels that important. Yeah, I think it's more personalized approach. It's like the best way to actually like build long-term lasting relationships, just like know a person as a person rather than just like a transactional um, investor. I think it's super smart. Exactly, exactly. Um, well, cool. That is the core questions we have. You want to run through quick fire? Let's do it. Cool. So these are just the last four questions we have. We have them at the end. They're just supposed to be They're supposed to be answered in two sentences or less. We have a pretty bad hit rate of actually doing that. Um, <laughs> but rough guideline is to try to answer them in two sentences or less. Um, first one is what's a recommendation you hear regularly that you think is bad advice? Yeah. Every single person told me to build a product before a community. Um, and I think I know the fact that we built it all together made us move 10 times faster and build a product in less than half the time than any of our competitors. So it was a blessing to build it at the same time. Totally. Do you think that like community led growth is going to be like one of the default go to market motions for teams over yeah, the next like five to 10 years? Absolutely. And I think it's very closely tied to product led growth. I think they go hand in hand and yeah. Yeah, I couldn't agree, but we've talked to some other guests in the past that have kind of echoed the same thing. I mean, it just seems like it's the, like this decade's network effects. Like it's yep. like the moat that everybody's chasing. And it's like really tough to replicate community, replicate features and other things, but like can't replicate a community. So nope. I couldn't agree more. Um, next one we've got in the last year, what new belief behavior habit has most improved your life? I would say um, having thick skin and gamifying learning opportunities. So what I mean by that is 10 things are going to go wrong every day instead of getting, you know, sad about it or demotivated. It's all right. How can I learn from this and gamify it and make sure that next time this happens, I can remember and do it a different way. Love that. Love that. What is one piece of advice that you give to somebody starting a company today? Don't take yourself too seriously. It's a very long journey and 
it's worth it to have fun and find people that you enjoy working with and laughing with along the way so that you can look back and not think about the, the experience as torture, but rather some of the best years. 100%. Yeah, I feel like success is not a final destination. Forget who said that, but that's resonated with me. Yeah. It's like the process of getting to where you want to get. It's like, that's what actually matters when like final output. Um, last one we've got, if you had one ask for our listeners, what would that ask be? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear from you. Um, as I mentioned before, it's, I love learning from others in their community or elsewhere around how they think of go to market. I like hearing people disagree with me and agree and debate it. So if you ever want to chat, um, sign up for a community or a newsletter or just send me a note through there. And I'd love to hear from you. Love it. Yeah, we'll plug that. I mean, I can vouch personally, like I'm a member of the Slack group. It's been really engaging. Um, just get like good, good takeaways and feedback in there. So anybody in a sales organization looking to level up, join Pocus. Waitlist is at, it's just pocus.com, correct? Pocus.com slash community. And there's, uh, or just pocus.com to find information about our waitlist and our newsletter. Sweet. Yeah, we'll add all that. I think you guys look good. Awesome. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, Alexa, this has been amazing. Really appreciate you answering cold emails. Um, but yeah, we will get this cleaned up. We'll shoot it back over to you and your team. Make sure you have plenty of time to review it. Make sure everything looks good. If anything doesn't look good, just let us know. We can cut it out. Um, and then from there, just like let us know what date works best for you. Um, yep. It's early June. We can be super flexible and line it up with the, the Series A announcement. Um, and yeah, just hopefully push some more press you guys way. Awesome. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you and great chatting. Yeah, you too. Appreciate you saying yes again. And um, yeah, just look out for an email from me. Uh, just shooting all this over and we can just take it from there. If that works for you. Amazing. Perfect. I will talk to you soon. Cool. Thanks, Alexa. Bye. Later. Huge thanks again to Alexa Criminal on this week. And we hope that each of you were able to pick up something valuable from this talk. If you're looking to get in touch with her, you can find her social info, which is linked in the description below. And if you want to learn more about POCUS, you can check out their website. That's POCUS.com. For next steps, if each of you have not submitted your info to become a member yet, you can do that through our website at www.confluence.bc. And also, if you want to become a subscriber to the newsletter, we offer a ton of free resources in there each and every week meant to help you become better at your individual roles. You can subscribe there at www.confluence.substack.com. Hope that helps. Hope to hear from you all soon.